Meet the next host of Planetary Radio, this week on Planetary Radio. Welcome. I'm Matt Kaplan of the Planetary Society with more of the human adventure across our solar system and beyond. I won't keep you in suspense any longer. Ladies and gentlemen of uh, my favorite solar system and the cosmos, it is my great pleasure to introduce my colleague of the last two years and proud to say a good friend, the new host, the incoming host of Planetary Radio. You have already heard her on the show. Here is Sarah. Now, I've been saying Al Ahmed, but we just spent five or ten minutes as you were trying to teach me the preferred pronunciation. How is Sarah Al Ahmed? That's Not pretty really. good. Nah, I don't Close. think so. You're being kind. Sarah, <laughs> congratulations on uh, being named the person who's going to be taking over the show with uh, the start of 2023. Thanks so much, Matt. I am so over the moon excited about this, and it's been really hard kind of keeping it to myself these last few weeks. <laughs> but <laughs> I could finally tell everyone, all my friends and family, and share with the world that I'm going to be the new host of Planetary Radio. <laughs> I think I've told you that I was pulling for you all along. Now, you won this fair and square. We had hundreds of applicants, tremendously talented people, and we are grateful to all of them for going after this. But I was not a bit surprised, and I was very pleased to see you rise to the top. I know that the show will be in good hands, and I also know that over time... You will be bringing your own voice and your own approach to this in collaboration with our other great colleagues. And that's one of the reasons that I told our COO, the great Jennifer Vaughn, two years ago, that uh, I thought it would be time after 20 years to hand over the show to somebody new. And um, I agonized a lot over this. I'm in a lot less agony now knowing that you'll be taking it on. That makes me feel really good to hear. Um, your vote of confidence literally means the world to me uh, because I've, I've seen what you've done with this show. Even before I was working for the Planetary Society, Planetary Radio is a staple for our community, for all space fans out there. And it, it means a lot to have your trust in this, but it's not lost on me what a large thing this is. It's huge to step into the tracks that you've laid for for me and for all of us and i'm gonna do my best <laughs> but of course you will i've had your tutelage all this time i've had i've had a, a lot to learn from you so i'm very grateful and as this show is published we're just heading into a time of transition because i mean you are still wrapping up the very important work that you have been doing for the society Part of that is, I mean, you are listed on our website as the digital community manager. And that digital community that you've been devoting yourself to, it's still not out there for people to enjoy yet. What, what's the current status of that and, and, and what's ahead? Oh, I'm so excited to talk about this because this is something that we've been working on behind the scenes for almost two years now. We really want to put the society in the planetary society. We want to give all of our members a place to interact with each other and really share and learn and, and work together to advocate for space missions that we love so much. So what I've been working on very heavily for the last month is the production of our new member community app. We're not going to officially give out the, the launch date right now, but in the coming months, planetary society members will be able to 
log into the Planetary Society app on their phone and connect with us and all the other members. So behind the scenes, I have been working diligently to build that app, and I am so excited to share it with everyone. Not surprisingly, you're going to be handing that off to somebody else, a player yet to be named, uh, mm -hmm. because you're going to have your hands full with Planetary Radio. Um, <laughs> I am very excited as a member about the coming community, digital community, but I'm also excited that I'll be participating in it as, as I continue to be a part of the Planetary Society staff. We will start hearing more from you, I think, as we go into the next few weeks of Planetary Radio. You know, my original thought was that the handoff would take place on the 20th anniversary of the show. That's not going to happen now because you just have too much to, uh, to finish and to come up to speed on. But we're now looking at what? I think the first Wednesday in the new year is when you will uh, be taking over the microphone. New year, new host. <laughs> yep. But we'll we'll be working together over the next few months. So people will hear me here and there, but officially January 4th. Between now and then, we have some outstanding guests lined up for you. Some of them are people that I just have so enjoyed uh, talking with over the years. I've never met a guest I didn't like, but there are a few that I'm really looking forward to sort of wrapping up my tenure with. And you'll be hearing about some of those in the coming weeks. Um, I mean, I will mention one. I'm bringing together two of my uh, most enjoyable guests, Rob Manning and Andy Weir. Rob Manning, the chief engineer of JPL, and Andy Weir. Well, you know who Andy Weir is. Two of the most imaginative, creative, and funny people that I know. And we're going to put them together in December and talk about the importance of creativity in this uh, business of space, uh, space science, and uh, really maybe across more of life. That's just a little taste of, of what's ahead. November 30th is when we'll actually celebrate the, the 20th anniversary of the show. That's the closest show to the actual date. Uh, my last show will be December 28th, and we will do continue a tradition of uh, uh, looking back over 2022. And Sarah, I'm very glad that you will be one of the people we'll uh, have on that show as well. But like I said, we'll be sneaking you in uh, between now and then to talk about other stuff that's uh, going on uh, across the universe. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to learning behind the scenes how Planetary Radio gets put together and getting to meet all of these amazing guests that you have lined up. I'm, <laughs> I cannot tell you how awesome and fun this is going to be for me. You're going to have such a blast. As I've also said now and then, the selfish little secret of this show is that it really was just the excuse that gets me into talking with these people, my heroes, and all of them are. And I know you feel the same way about them. I mean, uh, you are at least as big a space geek as me. Do you remember when you first realized that you were a space and science geek? Oh, yes, I remember vividly. And honestly, my parents were kind of space geeks uh, when mm. I was a kid. They were really into Cosmos with Carl Sagan. And my mom started me really early on Star Trek. So I, I already loved space. But there was this moment, I was six years old, and, you know, we used to do show and tell in, in first grade. So our teacher would always start show and tell by bringing her own thing to share. And one particular day, I, I think it was in spring, she brought in a newspaper clipping talking about an exoplanet that they had discovered. And I don't believe it was the first exoplanet. I think it might have been the second exoplanet, but it just opened up the universe to me. Mm. Before that, other planets 
other worlds, other star systems. That was all something that I'd seen on television. But to finally know that it was real and that we actually had evidence of these other worlds, I, I lost my mind. I went home that night and I, I told my mom, you know, they found another planet outside of our solar system. And, and this is what I want to do. I want to be an astronomer when I grow up. I, I'm fairly sure most people thought I was going to give up on that at some point, but it stuck. <laughs> You know, everybody thought I was going to become a lawyer. I, I could have set them straight as well. I, I have been a, a space nut uh, for as long as I can remember. Space and radio, as I say. The difference, one of the differences between us is that you grew up and became a genuine astrophysicist and astronomer, two things that I will never be. Could you talk a little bit about uh, how you actually went into this as a profession? Well, I had to actually chase that dream out of little kid speculation into actual math and science. And that meant studying hard all the way through school, getting those scholarships so I could afford to go to a good university. And ultimately, I went to UC Berkeley and started my degree in astrophysics. To say that was challenging would be an understatement. I think yeah. anybody that, that goes into the hard sciences has those moments where they, they question if they made the right choice. But all of that math, all of that effort, all of the collaboration we had to do to get our lab work done, all of that was absolutely worth it for the amazing things that that I and, and my my other classmates were learning. There was never a moment that I finally went, I can't do this math anymore. Let's <laughs> let's quit. Because at the end of that, that tunnel of math was understanding about our cosmos and our place within it. It was it was magical. <laughs> What about the astronomy that you got to do? I mean, you did this as a professional. I did. I began kind of learning about exoplanet detection in my lab work at Berkeley using uh, the transit method. We were waiting for big planets to pass in front of stars. And back then we had to do it with one planet and one star at a time. So mm. I was using um, the Nickel one meter telescope at Lick Observatory to do this work. And eventually they sent up the Kepler Space Telescope, which took all of our uh, positions searching for planets out there. But I can't even be mad about it. It did it better than any of us could. <laughs> um, and then as soon as I graduated, I started research with Alex Filipenko, mostly data taking using the same telescope. I was looking for basically shiny objects, active galactic nuclei, supernovae, gamma ray bursts, the brightest things we could find so that we could then do research on them. Alex Filipenko, another of my favorite uh, past guests on this show, great astronomer, one of the uh, co-discoverers of, of dark energy, we should add, but uh, also a great educator, a, a great teacher. You ended up at a place that I never miss a chance to uh, give praise to, the, the Griffith Observatory. Now's your turn. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Alex Filipenko and a, a lot of the other educators that I've encountered over these years really inspired me. Doing the research, discovering things, that was amazing. But it, it was watching them and the impact they had on me and other people as they shared what they learned. It's one thing to discover a planet, and it's a totally different thing to tell a child that they're made of stardust. Mm. You know, coming out of all of that, I realized I, I really wanted to pursue science education. And Griffith Observatory was the perfect place for it. That building the people that work there, just decades of people dedicated to sharing the passion, beauty, and joy of space. And, and they are so, so committed to it. And I've learned so much from them. I cannot tell you enough what a, what a wonderful place that was and, and what a great, a great experience it was for me. 
all the opportunities I had to connect with those wonderful space people that I held as heroes as well, writing on their magazine, doing show production work for All Space Considered, their monthly show, and also teaching the kids field trips. I taught school field trips for 10-year-olds for about five years there. It was an amazing time. <laughs> those kids love space. You mentioned All Things Considered, excuse me, All Space Considered. And it was because of that show that you and I met about three years ago. I love to tell this story, but why don't you tell it? <laughs> yeah, well, it was near the end of 2019, and we invited you as a guest to come and talk about the LightSail 2 mission. I ended up sitting down right next to your wife in the front row, <laughs> which was really cool. She was very nice and ultimately connected us with each other, introduced us. She came to me at the end of the show there's this great young woman that you need to meet. Sure, that happened. In fact, there's a photo uh, taken, a little selfie taken on that yeah. night. I then went back to the Planetary Society and told people about this great person that I had met, and we really ought to steal her from the Griffith Observatory. Took a, what, about a year, right, for that to happen, for you to be pulled in, but it happened. I was working at Griffith, and suddenly the building had to be shut down uh, for everyone's safety. And mm -hmm. it was in that moment when I was reconsidering my life's trajectory that I thought the Planetary Society, it's the, the perfect place. I would love to work there. And I remember talking to you that night about how to get a job at the Planetary Society. And I'm still completely baffled that you went back and, and remembered me. And when I was interviewing for the job at the Planetary Society, you remembered me then too. And it, <laughs> it was moving for me because you're one of my space heroes, Matt. <laughs> oh, thank you. I I don't know what to say to that, except that you have proven yourself indispensable already at the society. Now you take on this great new challenge. And I just wonder about some of the things that you may have in mind as the show goes forward. I know people probably shouldn't expect to see a whole lot of change early on, but I'm hoping that, like I said, you bring your own voice and approach to it. I don't want to change things up entirely right off the bat because you've created this beautiful show that it doesn't need to be changed a whole lot honestly but i do want to find a way to share it with more people i think it could do really well if we put it on some other platforms or even make mm. some videos out of it maybe if we put it up on twitch or something we'll get more young people excited about space also i don't know i'm a huge nerd for for sci-fi and pop culture and gaming maybe we can find a way to wrap in some more of the people who are sharing those things outside of scientific discoveries the people that communicate those discoveries to everyone through pop culture maybe we can get some of those guests in not that you don't already i mean andy weir <laughs> amazing <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to see where it goes. Um, in the meantime, like I said, we enter into this period of transition. I have uh, been acknowledging on the show the hundreds of lovely comments that I have been receiving from you listeners out there. There is a new way to do that, not just to you know express your feelings about uh, the last 20 years of the show. Uh, but also maybe to share a welcoming message uh, for Sarah. It was the wonderful idea of other of our colleagues at the Planetary Society say something about this toll-free line that is now in place for people to call into. Yeah, this is going to be really fun. So if you want to leave a message for Matt 
thanking him for his amazing service over the last 20 years, or you want to welcome me, I would be very happy to hear your messages. You can call our hotline, which I think is 1-844-PLANRAD. Is that correct, Matt? You are absolutely right. If you are um, <laughs> alphabetically challenged, it's 844-752-6723. But yeah, 844-PLANRAD is my preference as well. I think I was told uh, by some of our colleagues that it may not function well outside of North America. So we apologize for that. Of course, I still welcome anything that you choose to say at Planetary Radio at planetary.org, where before too long, Sarah will be opening the mail. And I guess the idea, Sarah, is that we will then take some of these comments and air them on the show. Yeah, we have to find a good way to get everyone's voices in there as we celebrate your legacy on the show. Honestly, I, I mean, I'm, I'm very excited to hear people's welcomes for me, but I'm even more excited to hear about the ways that your time on planetary radio has touched people's lives. So we're going to chop that up and we're going to put it on the show. And, you know, I don't know if it will be one show all at once or just a little trickle of wonderful messages throughout the next months, but I'm really excited to hear what people say. Me too. Already very grateful for everything that has already happened and grateful to have uh, spent these 20 years that uh, I have enjoyed so thoroughly and grateful that my colleagues at the Society were part of the decision to bring in the woman that you've been listening to the last few minutes, the next host, only the second in the history, 20-year history of Planetary Radio. Uh, Sarah, congratulations once again, and I can't wait to uh, continue to work with you and see you take on more and more until uh, January 4th, when um, you are the one asking the questions. Thanks so much, Matt. And thank you for trusting me with the dream job. <laughs> Sarah Alamed or Alhamed. She says she's comfortable with either. We'll take our short break and be right back with Bruce Betts and What's Up. This is Planetary Radio. There's so much going on in the world of space science and exploration, and we're here to share it with you. Hi, I'm Sarah, Digital Community Manager for the Planetary Society. Want more space? We've got the latest news, pretty planetary pictures, and Planetary Society publications on our social media channels. You can find the Planetary Society on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. I hope you'll like and subscribe so you never miss the next exciting update from the world of planetary science. Hello, I'm George Takei, and as you know, I'm very proud of my association with Star Trek. Star Trek was a show that looked to the future with optimism, boldly going where no one had gone before. I want you to know about a very special organization called the Planetary Society. They are working to make the future that Star Trek represents a reality. Boldly go to build our future. Welcome back to Planetary Radio. I'm Matt Kaplan. I haven't forgotten the downlink, our free weekly newsletter, like all of you who've seen it, I was blown away by the image on top of the October 21st edition. It's the Pillars of Creation, that star nursery at the heart of the Eagle Nebula, about 6,500 light-years from us. But this is not your mother's Pillars of Creation, the one that the Hubble Space Telescope wowed us with in 1995. If you thought that one was spectacular, you're going to love the new version brought to us by the JWST. Just wait till you see it at planetary.org slash downlink. 
Over at planetary.org itself, you'll find a wonderful new article by my colleague Jason Davis. It's the best brief explanation of where to find water on Mars I've ever read. Jason also talks about how we might someday access and use that water. It's time for What's Up on Planetary Radio. Here's the chief scientist of the Planetary Society, my favorite astronomer. He's Bruce Betts. You haven't heard it yet, but I think you will enjoy hearing my conversation with our colleague, Sarah, as I introduced her as uh, the new host of the show. Yeah, I'm very excited about uh, Sarah hosting the radio show, and not just because we're getting rid of Matt. I mean, that's most of it, frankly, but... Uh, no, Sarah's great. I'm very happy with her choice. It's uh, going to be fun to hear her enthusiasm and knowledge. And no one, of course, can ever fill the shoes of Matt because they stink. God, I just, <laughs> just gets I try better to, and better. I, I try to compliment you, and then it just goes awry. <laughs> you just can't. Your brain just isn't wired for that. But thank you. I know how you feel, and I miss, I'm going to miss you, too. <laughs> <laughs> Let me make it better. I've got a couple of these for you. Um, Stephanie Delgado in Arizona. I'm enjoying every last Matt Kaplan PB&J, Passion, Beauty, and Joy, before retirement. But that was followed by Ben Owens in Australia. Okay, Bruce, time to load up the laser bees into another Falcon 9 and see if we can put Dimorphos back into its original orbit. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone can knock an asteroid off its orbit. It's putting it back that's the real challenge. Laser bees being a project that uh, we funded some early research using lasers to vaporize the side of an asteroid and use the gas to push it. Wow, we'll give that a thought. Give some thought to what's up in the night sky, too. We've uh, we just uh, had our partial solar eclipse seen by some in Europe and surrounding areas. Now we've got our total lunar eclipse coming the night of November 7th through the 8th, about 11 UTC, which is about 3 a.m. here on the Pacific coast. It'll also be visible across the Pacific. It's kind of centered around the middle of the Pacific and over into very eastern Asia and New Zealand and parts of Australia. Check out the total lunar eclipse as the moon passes into the Earth's shadow and think about the profundity of being able to appreciate the three-dimensional nature of the Earth-Moon system. Three planets in the evening's tonight sky got Jupiter super bright over in the east-southeast when the sun sets and Saturn looking yellowish up above it and considerably over in the sky. And a little bit later, an hour or two later, reddish Mars, man, it is getting bright and will continue to get brighter through early December when Earth and Mars come closest in their orbits. Let us move on to this week in space history. The first, the first asteroid close flyby by a spacecraft was this week in 1991 when the Galileo spacecraft flew by Gaspra in the main belt. I remember that, faintly. <laughs> you were on the Galileo spacecraft, as I recall. Actually, you knew Galileo. <laughs> great guy, great guy. Insanely jealous of Leonardo, but that's okay. Everybody is. <laughs> DiCaprio? Yes, of course. <laughs> How about we go on to a random space fact? That was the Halloween random space fact. Thank you. So, Matt, I think you'll like this one. Even though it's a 
kind of a basic geometric fact, I'm guessing most people don't think how far is it to the center of the Earth. The distance to the center of the Earth is about the distance from New York to Berlin, Germany, an eight-hour to 10-hour flight. That's New York to Berlin. It takes much longer to reach the center of the Earth. You know, if there was a hole just going down to the center of the Earth that didn't explode as a supervolcano and kill us all, I wonder how long, we have to figure this out. This, this is one for Randall Monroe. How long would it take to fall from sea level down to the, the center of the Earth, the, the absolute center of the core? That's, a, that's an interesting one for you. I'd like to have an answer by next week, please. There's all sorts of fun, terrible, un, terribly unrealistic physics, which is why I choose to move on to the <laughs> trivia contest. I asked you, as of now, October 2022, what spacecraft at Mars in orbit or on the surface, has been operating the second longest. Mars Odyssey has been operating the longest. And how do we do, Matt? I'm going to provide what I believe is the answer in the form of a poem from Gene Lewin in Washington. It's titled, Stand Clear of the Doors. It'll become obvious why. You can take the A train from Manhattan out to Queens. Or on an L in Chi-Town to Harlem Lake, you take the green. If you were in London, though, and the bridge you want to see, starting out in Stratford, you would take the Jubilee. But if you're off to Martian soil and expedience is stressed, the second longest operating craft would be the Mars Express. Wow. 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 <laughs> clever. That was impressive. We get, uh, yeah, very clever. And we get information about Earth public transportation systems as a bonus. Yeah, Mars Express. I, I thought we I wanted to throw a little love to Mars Express, an impressive European Space Agency accomplishment. I got a winner for you. Oh, good. That's usually part of our show. Adam Walks, a first-time winner, also in the state of Washington uh, with Gene Lewin. Maybe they know each other. He said Mars Express. He also said, keep up the great efforts in keeping us educated and affecting policy. Thank you, Adam. Adam, we're going to send you a Planetary Society kick asteroid, rubber asteroid that you can knock off course. <laughs> but we'll put it back. All right. In honor of our proto host, you know, like a proto star of proto planetary. In honor of our upcoming host, we're going to play Where in the Solar System? Where in the Solar System is there a feature named Sarah? Ooh. Go to planetary.org slash radio contest. Nothing on the earth. I love it. Sarah, I think you're barred from entering for the this one. You have until Wednesday, November 2nd, Wednesday, November 2nd at 8 a.m. Pacific time to get in on this one. And what we have for you is a copy of uh, the book by Brian Keating, Into the Impossible, Think Like a Nobel Prize Winner, Lessons from Laureates to Stoke Curiosity, Spur Collaboration, and Ignite Imagination in Your Life and Career. Brian Keating, the astrophysicist uh, in charge of the Simons Observatory Project uh, out of UC San Diego. One quick thing, Matt. I want to introduce a new segment, the Memories of What's Up. We'll do a quick one. Hey, you remember when that Mars rover drove over us at some... Uh, <laughs> conference. Fortunately, it was it was Sojourner-sized rather than uh, Perseverance-sized. Yeah, right. And it never went to Mars. It was just sort of a prototype, speaking of more protos. Uh, but that was fun. Yeah, we were. it rolled right on over us. Didn't even care. 
All right, everybody, go out there, look up, look up in the night sky and think about your proto what? Thank you and good night. That's Bruce Betts. He's a star. And you're going to hear more and more from that proto star, Sarah. I bet she'll be talking with the chief scientist of the Planetary Society who will continue to join us every week here on What's Up. Planetary Radio is produced by the Planetary Society in Pasadena, California, and is made possible by its generous and loyal members. Don't forget to leave your message for Sarah and me at 1-844-PLANRAD. Mark Hilverda and Ray Paletta are our associate producers. Josh Doyle composed our theme. You're hearing the special Halloween edition arranged and performed for us years ago by Coney Island's Phantom Creep Theater. Ad Astra. Thank you.